Hello there and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host Josiah Meyer and we are in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. And I want to take a few minutes and um, talk about a pretty important question uh, that I think a lot of people are asking in various ways. Um, Is Jordan Peter a Christian? Or if he is, in what sense is he a Christian? And Peterson's own... um, Responses. He's often asked this. He often, um, he said in private, or as he's talked about this question, he sometimes says that he feels a little bit offended by it, like it's none of your business what I believe, uh, which can certainly see where he would be coming from on that. Although when you re- do a whole series on the Old Testament, on the Bible, um, this question is going to come up. I think it's a fair question when somebody's talking about Christianity a lot. Do you personally subscribe to the religion or are you somehow using it from the outside looking in? Uh, which is also a valid way to use the religion. Um, when I was in high school, there was an English teacher wasn't a Christian. Uh, but she used the book of Revelation, uh, the last book of the Bible, sometimes called Apocalypse. Um, she used that as an as an English project, looking at telling a story from multiple perspectives. And, and she broke it down, the different trumpets and the different bowls and different things. Um, and I, at first I was a little bit offended by that. And then I realized she's just looking at it as a work of art. And it is a work of art. I can understand that. I can appreciate that. Um, And I think I speak for a lot of Christians when I say that it's frustrating when you don't know in what sense somebody is using our holy book. It's it's hard not to get emotional about it. This is our holy book. It's very close to us. How are you using it? Is this your holy book? Are you, is this the authority in your life? Or are you standing back from it and, and, you know, looking at the artistic beauty of it, looking at the moral beauty of it. Um, are you looking at it for historical facts? What are you doing with it? And I think that's a fair question to ask of Peterson. Now, I want to hasten to say that I don't have the authoritative answer. This is just kind of my off-the-cuff. Not not off-the-cuff. I'll try not to downplay myself too much. I have that tendency to downplay myself. Um... What I have not done is I have not read his book, either Maps of Meaning or 12 Rules for Life, and I have not um, listened to his Old Testament series, his lectures on the Old Testament, which are apparently quite popular. What I have done is listen to a good number of his podcasts uh, from his podcast um, channel, his, a good number of episodes, I should say, from his podcast. I listened to most of the Q&A from the past year, and I listened. I just listened to the Dr. Oz interview, which I thought was very good, um, and I listened to the one on brain mapping and um, a few others, uh, and I before that I watched a number of YouTube ones that I had a hard time finding a whole interview attended. YouTube just kept showing me kind of clips of interviews, um, which is why I was happy to have the podcast so I could kind of get a whole sentence out of him instead of a soundbite um anyway so i've i feel at this point and i've been on a few facebook um, discussion groups about jordan peterson and i feel like i'm i'm getting enough of him to tell you what i think his answer to this question is 
And uh, if you want to tell me I'm wrong, then by all means do so. Um, if there's something, yeah, that you want to add to this, go to my blog, josiahmeyer.com, uh, search for this podcast, and go ahead and comment what you think under it. That would be great. Um, so the way that he tends to answer this, I've heard him answer it a number of times, is that First of all, he feels frustrated. <laughs> and secondly, he says, it depends what you mean by God and depends what you mean by believe. Now, after listening to one of his Q&As, I feel like it's also helpful to, to ask, it depends what you mean by truth. Uh, and that seems to be the more fundamental question. Uh, in one of his Q&A, he talked about, uh, well, he's talked a few times about this, that he's a pragmatist. Now, it just so happens that uh, I've been taking some classes on philosophy, um, looking at working towards a doctorate in philosophy. Uh, It's looking like I might be changing direction on that, but I I have been doing some fairly high-level work on philosophy. And um, so when somebody says they're a pragmatist and somebody, you know, is of the caliber of Jordan Peterson, uh, you take that seriously. Um, So in philosophy... Um, philosophy today is a mess. Um, the bottom line is philosophers are supposed to be telling us how to find truth. And specifically, since Descartes in the 1700s, Descartes set out to say, okay, we're going to find a scientific way to find truth. And so I know I exist. Cogito ergo sum. I know that I exist because I can't doubt that if I start doubting that I exist then I have to realize that I'm a thinking person doubting myself. So I know I exist. I think, therefore, I am. But I don't know necessarily that anything else exists. Uh, And he had a way of explaining that, but everybody that read his work rejected his answer. They just kept his question that I know I exist, but I don't know what else exists. Uh, And that's, I mean, I'm hugely oversimplifying, but philosophy is still kind of in that problem. If you've ever ever seen The Matrix, um, I know that's already kind of an old movie by now, but we don't know if we're in The Matrix, if we're just a brain in a vat being poked by stimulus. We know that we exist as a soul, as a rational being, but we don't know what's out there. So there's a whole bunch of, of methods, and they all have a lot of flaws, and nobody really knows what to do. You just kind of pick your your life raft and hope for the best. Um which is why Thomism, uh, following Thomas Aquinas, has been really interesting to me because it seems like actually we can just throw out Descartes and uh, before him there was a different system that actually worked pretty well, although it was complicated at the beginning to understand it, it actually worked fairly well. But anyways, within the contemporary scene, there's a lot of different ways of trying to do philosophy. But what a lot of people do, what probably most people honestly do, is just back off from that and say, look, I don't really understand philosophy. I just do what works. Uh, If it works, it's true. And this is technically called pragmatism. And in one of his Q&As, Jordan Peterson uh, fleshed this out a little bit more. And he said, you know, we try things and some things hurt. And so we find out that that's not the way to do things. Other things um, lead to human flourishing. And so we realize that those are good things. And so, and this for him is truth. So if you, um, 
I'm trying to think of a good example here. Well, I mean, his his kind of central thesis is that if you clean up your room and put your shoulders back and and confront the world, you will become the hero of your own story. You will find meaning that that um, that gives you purpose in life and that makes the suffering of life worth it, meaningful. Um, so you could say, well, is it true? What he said, is that true? Well, you take five people that follow that advice and you take five people that do the opposite, that live in a mess and say it's everybody else's fault and don't try and accomplish anything. Where does that path lead? Well, that path leads to pain and despair and malevolence. Uh, whereas the path of taking responsibility leads to happiness and, and uh, you know, purpose. So you could so Jordan Peterson would say, you know, very eloquently and with great passion that that is true. That's the truest thing that it could be. It's true because it works. So this is what I th I would like to make clear is that for Peterson as a pragmatist, what works is true. What works is true. So if something works, it's true. So when you ask him, do you believe in God? the real meaning behind that is do you believe that God exists, that God is true? And what has been become very clear as he's talked about different things, been interviewed, been, been poked and prodded in different directions, is he's interpreting this through a pragmatic lens. He's not interpreting this question through um, a realist lens or through um, an empirical lens. He's not at, He's not understanding this question in the same way that we would say um, do you believe that quarks are true or that atoms are true, that they exist? He's filtering this through a pragmatic lens of saying, does it work? And he'll often say, basically, yes. You know, I do believe that God exists because he's very convinced that religion helps people be better people and it makes sense of life and it gives life meaning and the stories are powerful. So in that sense, in his own thinking, it seems to me that he believes that God exists. But I am not entirely sure, looking at him, listening to him, that he believes that God exists in the same way that, that like a conservative Christian like myself would believe. Um, Empirically, does God actually exist in the same way that microbes exist, in the same way that I exist? Well, that's debatable. That's a question. But he exists in the sense of being true, in the sense of being pragmatically true. And this is why, I mean, maybe we can't get away from this, but it's a personal pet peeve of mine when people say true, and they mean all sorts of things by it. Um, but maybe there's not a way to avoid that because philosophy is in such a mess. Um and people, the word true, you know, relates to what you mean by philosophy and, and what you, what your system is going to be, what your worldview is. Um, but that's one level of complexity. And when it comes to the question of truth, it seems to me that Jordan Peterson says God is useful. Um, and this in itself is a strong statement. You know, it wasn't that long since Sam Harris published his this. No, Christopher Hitchens publishes book, God is Not Good, How Religion Poisons Everything. 
um, making the case that if it wasn't for religion, you know, the world would be a better place. And Jordan Peterson makes a very strong case at different points that no religion is a force for good in the world. In spite of the bad that happens, uh, in spite of the bad elements that come with religion, religion is a force for good. Uh, so that's a strong and a surprising case for an academic to make. Um, but don't be too excited about that, I guess is what I'm trying to tell conservative Christians. Because it seems that um, it's not entirely clear to me that he's not saying Christianity is true in the same way that a placebo is true. You know, I, I've heard that a good number of medicines that are given to people, even today, are placebos. They're sugar pills. They're, there's nothing there. But because people believe they will heal them, then they do. Because there's a psychological benefit of believing that this medicine will help you. Um, <clears throat> and if the person thinks that they're really sick, then they're prescribed a really big pill that's really expensive. And if they think they're only a little bit sick, they're prescribed a little pill that's not very expensive. And, you know, the, the research is out there that placebos actually work. Um, taking a big pill, even if it's nothing, can make somebody literally better heal them because of a psychological effect and it seems to me that it's it's at least consistent with Jordan Peterson that he would believe God is basically a placebo when approaching it from the question of is God true um, because he he interprets that question through pragmatism as asking is God useful and his answer would be yes but the question is not answered yet um, so then he Again, he pushes back to say, well, it depends what you mean by God, and it depends what you mean by believe. So at one point, he also, um, you know, we, let me pause this and think for a second. No, let's not go there yet with God and with uh, believe. Um, in, let's talk about, let's talk about, Jungian psychology. So, um, Carl Jung, Carl, you know how to spell. Jung is J U N G. And um, that's a whole branch, that's a type of philosophy. I mean, uh, psychology. Psychology is the study of the mind. Um, the father of modern psychology is uh, Freud, spelled F R E U. ID. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how to spell Freud. Just butcher it on Google and it'll fix whatever spelling. Um, but Freud believed basically that uh, he's trying to understand scientifically what makes us tick inside of us. And so he had kind of this three-part system that he believed that we have kind of this animal self inside of us that has passions and desires and, and just wants self-gratification and wants you know, especially sexual desires to be realized in the world. And I believe this was called the id. Is the just this dark inner, you know, shadow self. And then there's society on the outside. And I'm pretty sure this is called the superego, if I remember correctly. And superego is what culture has been speaking to us. Um, so this is kind of the nature versus nurture question that we hear sometimes. Um, and so, you know, be a good boy, look both ways before you cross the street, comb your hair, brush your teeth, uh, don't put your elbows on the table, 
um, open the door for girls or don't open the door for girls or whatever culture is telling you. So this is what we feel like we should do for other people. And there's kind of this war between these two poles. And in between is the is the ego, which is myself, you know, or yourself trying to figure out what to do. And so through this and, you know, through very complicated things, Freud tried to explain human psychology and, you know, kind of created a foundation for human psychology that others have built upon. Um, and, and by the way, he believed that um, God, uh, Freud was very much not a Christian, very much atheistic. Um, and he believed that God was our collective desire for the perfect father because we all have fathers. Um, whether they're present fathers or absent fathers, biologically, you know, we all had a father. And um, it's that longing to have that strong, good male figure in our lives that, you know, is deep desire within us um, that we get, that we project upwards. And that's why humans want a God, think about God, have created a God, basically. It's because of the father desire in us. So that's Freud. I just mentioned Freud to give you a backdrop because Freud's disciple was Carl Jung. And Carl Jung took things in a different direction. And he said, um, thinking about this idea of there's, there's this desire for God, there's this thing within us that is powerful, this idea of a father that's perfect, that's good, etc. And we project that upwards. He said, what about other symbols? Are there other symbols that are deep within us that we project upwards um, or we project out into the world? And um, I heard, I had a little bit of this in high school because I had two teachers that were very top rate English teachers, probably wouldn't have, probably the sort of English teachers that you don't have anymore today. Um, they knew psychology, they knew the great literature of the past and I really appreciate um, Miss Esther Brooks and Mrs. Swin. They're great teachers in, in their own right. Um, anyways, um, so some of the symbols like uh, Jordan Peterson was talking about snakes and that there's this primal hatred of snakes that we all have. And spiders is another thing. Um, and he's talked about clinical research that, you know, we used to think it was just something that was taught to us that society hates spiders and snakes and so little children you know learn to hate spiders and snakes but actually what they've been learning is that yes it is somewhat conditioned but you can condition a child to be afraid of you know a red dot if you tell them enough times that the red dot is dangerous they will be afraid of it but you have to tell somebody a child you know, maybe 10 times that the red dot is dangerous, but only one time that the spider is dangerous. And, you know, only one time or two times that the snake is dangerous or, or something that looks like a snake. There's something about, you know, the creepy crawly and, and the slithery that connects with us and that just, you know, it. there's something very deep within us that reacts to that. Um, and so that's a symbol. And so for for Peterson, because I know, um, you know, the basic idea of, of Jung, Jung 
is that there's these symbols and it comes out a lot in dreams. So for Jungian psychologists, they want to talk about your dreams because oftentimes your dreams will tell you, you can interpret your dreams in a Jungian way. And so there's different symbols that'll happen in your dream. And it's not just nonsense. It's your subconscious telling you a story, maybe about, you know, what's really wrong with you. So maybe in decoding your dream, you can realize that, you know, what you really need is, you know, more passion in your life or more stability in your life or, or more love in your life or whatever it is. Um, of course, this is a whole rich field for literature, which is why my English teachers were interested in it. Um, and Jordan Peterson often goes to the Pinocchio story and how Pinocchio, um, uh, well, there's a whole bunch of things within the story of Pinocchio, but one of them is that he goes into the belly of the whale which is you know the symbol of darkness and chaos and he rescues his father which is this which is the symbol of light and power so in in confronting in going into the deepest darkest pit of chaos within him he finds you know light and truth so obviously there's tons of richness and symbolism within that and you can see how if we have these symbols written somehow in us, that they're going to come out in literature, they're going to come out in our dreams, and they're going to come out in our religion. Okay, so that is where the therein lies the rub, and this is what when I first heard Peterson, I thought, well, if you're using Union psychology to understand the Bible that's not going to lead you to the same place that it would if you're a conservative Christian. And But I was very new to it, and I was like, you know, he sounds like a Christian, a lot of Christians are interested in him, let's give him a chance. And I think I'm fairly comfortable at this point in saying, when Jordan Peterson exegetes scriptures, and I, again, I haven't listened to his old, old Testament thing, but I have heard him in many interviews talk about his more serious work, He's approaching it from the perspective of secularism. He's approaching it from, and he said this explicitly in um, in the uh, interview with Dr. Oz that taking, for example, the story of Moses, uh, and he said, you know, the, Moses spends all this time answering dis disputes and debates and and trying to j judge and rule the people of Israel that just came out of the desert out of captivity and now they're in the desert and they're all squabbling and they're all fighting and he, and Moses is trying to rein in this people and trying to understand this people and trying to control them and then he goes up on a mountain and then according to Peterson then he comes down with the law and so for Peterson and he said this it's it's a ground up thing it's because he spent that time with the people that he came up with the law and of course, go back to pragmatism and say, well, he had some sort of an experience on the mountain and he realized that this worked. And the more he workshopped it out with the people, the more it, it worked for him. And so because it worked, it was true. Because it was true, you know, it was sublime. It was divine. It was miraculous, whatever. But obviously, you know, as a conservative Christian, call me weird, call me fanatical, call me whatever you want. I actually believe that there is a living, personal, intelligent God that met with Moses on the mountain, 
I believe the mountain quaked. I believe it was happened at a ge- geographical place at a real time in, in real history past. And I believe that God inscribed with his finger on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments. Um, and that the rest of the Old Testament, or, or the rest of the law, um, it's not said specifically how the rest of it came out, but it, it may have been partially through Moses writing it, but it often says, and God said this, and God said this. So Moses also, you know, he was meeting with God in the tent of meeting, and he had a face-to-face relationship with God. It, it says at one point, and I actually believe that God spoke to Moses, and Moses wrote um, not denying that there was some component of Moses, the, the human meeting the divine in the Old Testament, um, but it was a top-down, it was a revelation. In fact, that's what, that's the technical word that conservative Christians will use for the Bible, is revelation. Um, it's the idea of, um, and this is from a Bible passage, I forget which one, I think it's in Hebrews, the things hidden from long ages are revealed to us. Um, that mysteries are revealed. Now, mystery is not something spooky or smoke and mirrors or magical. It's just something that you couldn't know without it being told you. You wouldn't know, you people listening to this podcast, where I am or, I don't know, what I had for supper unless I told you. You have no access to that information unless I tell you. Uh, In the same way, You know, Jesus said, nobody has come from heaven except the Son of Man who came down. It says at the beginning of John, the Gospel of John, this is revelation. And the reason that Christians are so excited about the Bible is because we believe that this is revelation. This is God speaking to us. This is, these are words that come from the other side, so to speak. Um, The great divide, the the spiritual realm that brought this realm into being. It's, It's like mind-blowing like i've dedicated my life to understand the bible because what could be more interesting than understanding the mind of god the the plan of god the thoughts of god but peterson is coming at it from the other other side it's bottom up Uh, it's understanding people and their poetry and their dreams and their religious experiences and what that says about humanity and what that says about symbolism and what that says about the human condition and all these things, you know, weave their way together to understanding, for example, how to live a life of purpose and how to, you know, overcome the chaos in our own lives and how to confront suffering. And all these things are extremely powerful and extremely good. And I love, 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 love what Peterson gets out of this stuff. Um, and I actually, this isn't the first time I've said this, but I actually appreciate listening to people like Peterson reading the Old Testament because it's coming at it from a radically different perspective and they tend to see things. It, it's often completely incompatible with conservative Christianity because, you know, there's no mention of the God that actually exists. It's it's people dreaming up something, you know, it, it's it's incompatible. But oftentimes he comes up with stuff that actually is a really deep insight um, coming at it from a different direction uh, and seeing something I wouldn't have seen. But let's step back now to, you know, being a conservative Christian and saying, is this Christian? Again, 
going back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is a this is a legitimate question for me to ask. I've staked my life on this. This is my book. This is my religion. Is Peterson coming into my home, sitting on my couch, because he belongs here? Or is he coming in, you know, to take something and, and go put it in a museum somewhere else? Uh, in somebody else's house. I don't know, that illustration just came to me. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a good one or not. Um, but my brief answer to that, again, is I don't think that Peterson is approaching this as a Christian on the level of exegeting scriptures because he's not approaching it as revelation. He's approaching it as uh, a human creation. Um and so in this sense, it falls under what Christians have called liberalism. And I have a sermon on that. Um, and I don't... I raised this in one of my Facebook, one of the Facebook groups on Peterson. And somebody took what I said and just ran with it and was all angry and was saying, Peterson's a liberal and he's dangerous and we need to fight against him. And this sort of thing is going around. Um, and... Like, I get where that's coming from, but that's not where I want to go. Where I want to go is to say, just understand where he's coming from, okay? He's coming from the outside looking in. It's a valid perspective. The Bible is the world's book. It is God's revelation to humanity about humanity in relationship to God. Um, the Bible is the book of the world, and, you know... The Christians have borrowed it from from Jews. Muslims have borrowed it from both of us. Um, the Buddhists use a lot of elements from the Bible. And, you know, even the Hindus use a lot of, of elements from Christianity and all the other, most of the other animistic religions as well, use some element of it. You'll be hard-pressed to find somebody in the world that doesn't know who Jesus is or have some, you know, influence from him. And so, you know, who am I to say that nobody else has a right to use the Bible or to read the Bible? Um, but I, when they're doing that, we need to be clear about what they're doing. Because, you know, you can, it's fun to, there's elements where you can listen to it and be like, this is interesting, this is a different perspective, this is neat. Um, but then you're going to bump into things where it's fundamentally incompatible. And some of those fundamental incompatibilities are going to be where, you know, he's he's interpreting something like God or like Jesus as a symbol. And where he what he means by a union symbol from Carl Jung is that certain things have happened, certain patterns have happened, like spiders, you know, biting somebody's hand in the night or a snake biting somebody. This has happened over millions of years of evolution. I'm talking even before there were humans, before there were even Neanderthals, when our ancestors were, you know, lizards skittering across the desert. Because um, this is, you know, Peterson believes in evolution. <clears throat> and and these, these truths that spiders are dangerous were imprinted somewhere in our lizard mind and that symbol stayed with us and stayed with us and stayed with us and snakes are dangerous and that stayed with us and stayed with us and stayed with us um, 
And as, you know, man evolved and had a consciousness, etc., these imprints from our distant past, according to Peterson, stayed with us, and they would come up in our dreams, and they would inform our actions. When you saw a spider or a snake, you would jump back. Um, when you had a good father, that would also connect with, with you. When you didn't have a good father, that would connect with you uh, because of symbols in your, you know, in your subconscious, in your past. Um, and so according to Peterson, you know, he reads Genesis 3 and he sees a snake, which is, you know, brings chaos to the garden of peace and, you know, and, and destroys. And he says, well, that's, that's the symbol that has been impressed on our genes. And as it comes out of this dream in this, in this religious text, this symbol comes up. And as a psychologist, you'll say, well, I see exactly how you would get that. But me as a conservative Christian, I look at that and I say, I don't know how you reconcile that with what I believe, because what I believe is that there actually is um, a rational, existing, spiritual entity called Satan, who actually exists and is trying to destroy me and trying to, you know... Um, Like he actually exists in the same sense that I exist and that you exist and that my son exists. And he's somewhere in the world doing something, probably something not good. Um, and he could come here and, you know, try and mess me up, although I know I'm protected by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus, who also exists and who is in heaven right now interceding for me. So I don't know, like these things are incompatible. Um as well as when he, you know, goes really deep into brain psychology. And, you know, there's all this really, I'm learning tons about how the brain works and, um, and psychology and, and chemistry and, and different things like that. But he interprets all of it through, again, an evolutionary lens and, and thinking about us as, you know, primeval lizards and lobsters and things like that. And, um, you know, the question of whether Christians can believe in evolution is, kind of something I'm still kind of wrestling with but up till now I've said no I don't believe in evolution I believe in special creation although I do think that the earth has age um, that's a subject for another podcast um, but this to me feels like a, a topic uh, an incompatibility um, with Christianity I mean either you know, so some Christians do definitely believe that we were descended from all the way from lobsters and lizards and, and monkeys and whatever. Um, but uh, if you don't believe that, it certainly seems difficult to reconcile it. So certainly more I can say on that, going into specific examples. He's, he mentioned uh, to Dr. Oz that we are aiming creatures, which I thought that, that was very interesting. We know how to how to focus on something and how to throw something at it to get it and that um, that much of how we think as a society and as individuals is based on we aim at things and we can attack those things um, we can throw something at it or move towards it or whatever interesting insight uh, but then when he starts to say well that's what sin is is aiming at something and missing it or um, you know, starting to interpret scriptures that way. Well, now again, where scriptures aren't revelation, they're 
you know, something that is created from the bottom up as a collection of our dreams and fantasies, and not fantasies, but our dreams and our collective insights and, and wisdom of man about the world. Uh, and so, and, and again, this gets confusing because then Peterson will say something like, well, this is true. Okay, what do you mean by true? You know, it's true that when you sin, you miss the mark and, and your life goes to hell. You go to hell. Well, what do you mean by that? Again, we need to, that's why I started by talking about truth, because everything comes back to philosophy, everything comes back to truth. It seems to me that what he means is, pragmatically, it works. And some things pragmatically don't work, and those are not true. They are false. They are destruction, you know. So now let's talk about his typical response. It depends what you mean by God, and it depends on what you mean by faith. Um, so, faith. He, he answered Dr. Oz with this question of, well, what does faith mean? Faith means acting as though something were true. Again, the echoes of pragmatism here. And he says, I, I act as though God exists. Uh, what he means by that is he lives according to the ethics and the morals of scriptures. Um, and you can see why. Because if scriptures are... He, he said at one point that scriptures are mostly stories because stories are how you transmit... You tell truth when you don't know the truth yet. You transmit information when you can't yet understand the information. You don't know what the spider is. You don't know what the snake is in a scientific way. You just know that that slithery thing is bad. So you tell a story about slithery thing bad, and that story transmits. And of course, there's many powerful stories about life and about how to live and about how to be good in the scriptures. And so he lives according to scriptures. He lives in a way as though God exists, because to him that is the way to... Um, know get into heaven heaven for him seems to be you know live your life in a way that is pragmatically good where you're creating order and purpose in your world and where you're not going to hell and hell for him is you know leading towards chaos and 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 um leading towards some of the evils that we saw in the 20th century with hitler and stalin and and um the gulag uh things described in the gulag archipelago uh, one of his favorite books or books he finds most powerful. So he lives as though God existed. Does that mean he's a Christian? Well, I think most conservative evangelicals would say, look, it's not about what you do. It's about being in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, it's not about... And this is the very common misconception is that people think, well, being Christian is, you know, you don't wear your hair long or you don't smoke or you don't drink and you don't sleep around or whatever. No, being a Christian, yes, there's ethics involved. But first of all, we believe that we are sinners. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We believe that um, Romans 6.23, 
the wages of sin is death. So we believe that we sinned and that we deserve death because God is holy and because we are sinful people. This is the message of the Bible to us, the message that was communicated from the other side, from the spirit world to our world through Old Testament revelation and through the person of Jesus Christ um, and through the New Testament authors as well, including Paul the Apostle. But Romans 6.23 continues, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we believe that we are sinners. Because we sinned, we deserve to die, which means that our souls after we die will literally go to hell, which is a physical place. Our bodies and our souls will be resurrected and we will go to a place that it could, is so terrible because it is separated from the presence of God. It is so terrible, it could only be described as a lake of fire where there will be pain and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Jesus said. Jesus being the only one that has come from the other side to our side to tell us what it's like on the other side. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because Jesus died for us, we can have that eternal life. Uh, and, and Romans 5 talks about um, at the right time, it asks the question, would you die for somebody else? Perhaps for a very righteous man, you would die for somebody else. But God demonstrates his own love for us. I believe this is 5.23. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, to reconcile us to God. So because Jesus died in our place, our sin issue with God is dealt with if we request it. Well, how do you how do you do that? That seems rather important, right? To have some sort of a transaction whereby this sin issue is dealt with. And Romans 10, 9 to 10 says, um, for with the mouth, how does that go? That if you believe in your heart, Jesus is God, and confess with your lips that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Um, I might have that just a little bit wrong. You can use Bible Gateway online. Look up these references, Romans 10, 9 to 10. And it, that's, that's all it takes is for you to say, look, I'm a sinner. I believe, I don't maybe don't understand it all, but I believe Jesus is God. Please forgive me for my sins. And whatever you do to cover over sins through your death, please do that on my behalf. And that is how uh, it says in Romans 8 that we are adopted into his family. The metaphor of adoption is powerful because there's nothing the adoptee does. You don't earn your adoption. Nobody deserves to be adopted. The commitment is too high to really ask of anybody. It's something take on, undertaken voluntarily. And once you're adopted, you have all the rights of the family that you're adopted into. And this is what Christianity is. It's this belief that we can't do it. This is the message of the Old Testament. This is the message of the people of Israel. They tried to do it. All the commandments and laws that God told Moses on Mount Sinai, the people couldn't do it. They couldn't even follow the first ten laws. You can't and I can't. Who has lived their life without ever lying? Who's lived their life without ever stealing? Who's lived their life without... Um, without coveting, without desiring something that belongs to somebody else. We've all sinned. But God 
paid the price for us. What does that do? So what? How does that change our life? That means that I'm saved. That means that that sin issue is dealt with. That means that I know where I'm going after I die. And that means I can live every moment of every day in relationship to God. And if you ask most Christians, most conservative Christians, I've asked this question many people, what is the most important thing to you about being a Christian? They'll say peace. Ask somebody that you know is a conservative Christian that has, that, you know, it's one of those people that reads their Bible and that prays and is, you know, does the whole thing where they go to church every Sunday and, you know, they do the thing. Not, not an annoying Christian necessarily, not necessarily the, the legalistic people that have to dress a certain way and make their, the women in their lives dress a certain way and, you know, it's very rules-based. But, you know, the, the cool person, like the person that's a real human being but does all the Christian stuff, ask that person. Why is this important to you? What what do you get out of it? Peace, man. It's there's peace because I have peace with God. And from that seat, that position of peace, um, we begin our life. You know, it, it's it, so many religions. Basically, all the religions that I've studied. There's this long journey. And at the end of it, you might get salvation. Christianity, conservative Christianity, real Christianity, biblical Christianity, you start with salvation. And from there, out of a place of gratitude, you live your life. So does Peterson have this? It doesn't seem to me like he does. It seems to me that he is trying to earn, well, not earn something. He's trying to just live this way to have these results. That to me is like um, what Paul, what the Apostle Paul talked about in Galatians, that this is a false gospel of works, of, of, of just doing the right things. But the message of, of the New Testament especially in Jesus is that you can't do enough of the right things to save yourself. You will always lead towards hell. You will always fail. You need grace. You need God to save you. This is what the message really deeply is. And Paul is deeply concerned by people who have started with grace and then say, well, actually, what, what's really important is following all the rules. So we're going to try and follow all the rules. No, it's not that. You can't follow all the rules. Understand that you're a child of God. And then live your life in gratitude and in, in fellowship with the God that actually exists and is living and is speaking to you through his word. So Peterson says, well, it depends what you mean by faith and it depends what you mean by God. So faith for Peterson seems to be literally the opposite of what most conservative Christians would say uh, faith is. Maybe I should clarify Protestants, um, Protestant evangelicals. You know, we believe that faith means saying, I can't do it, putting our trust in God and in the completed work of Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf <coughs> as our sacrifice for our sins. 
Um, whereas Peterson seems to be saying faith means do the right things and things will go better for you. You'll have, you know, a meaningful life. You'll have heaven on earth. Um, and so this seems to be the opposite, literally, of what um, what Christianity is saying. Um, so, get to the last question, what do you mean by God? Does Peterson actually believe God exists? Now, you would think, after all that he said, he doesn't believe in my version of truth. Um, he believes in a pragmatist truth. Uh, he doesn't believe in revelation the same way that we do. Um, he doesn't believe um, in faith the same way that we do. Does he even believe that God exists in any way? It seems as though he does. And it seems very inconsistent. Um, but I do appreciate an agnostic when I meet one. And he is a genuine agnostic. He says, I don't know if God exists or doesn't. He could say everything he says and be a committed atheist. I think it would be consistent with what he's said so far. And you could be an atheist and read scriptures. He, he said in one podcast that there's a whole community that calls themselves atheist Christians that are now reading scriptures, uh, following his example, finding meaning and purpose and and in life and finding insights into the human condition through scriptures, but they're atheists. And you can see how they're looking for symbols, they're looking for images, they're looking for wisdom. And there's tons of that in scriptures, I won't deny that. Um, <clears throat> but it seems like on a personal level, when, you know, it comes down to it, when the lights turn off and he's gazing up at the stars and he's asking himself, does God actually exist? <coughs> Sorry, it's just really dry down here. It seems as though his answer is, I think so. And he said at one point, well, you know, a lot of people have had a lot of really strange experiences that they have recorded. Um, it, and I'm not sure if he makes this point or not, but a point that is sometimes made is that, you know, most people, not just 60%, but something like 98%, especially if you look, back through human history, probably something like 99.9% .9 if you look back through history, of people have believed that there is something out there, that there is some sort of a spiritual realm, that there is a God, that there is something, you know, angels and demons and, and so, or something. Um, so it seems unlikely that everybody is wrong. Um, and so whatever case he makes uh, I haven't got real deep into that I haven't heard him go real deep into that but it seems as though he is agnostic maybe God exists, maybe he doesn't, don't know but certainly not ruling it out and when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus he seems to think it's possible that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead and this to me like maybe this is just from where I'm sitting but this seems like kind of an important question to chase down and figure out, you know, as a scientist, as somebody that's figuring things out. Um, it doesn't seem like, like, I guess this is my only critique. So far, I've just been describing Peterson. My one critique is there's things in life that you can just let lie. And there's things in life, it seems like you should probably figure out 
what is true. Um, and it seems to me, from where I'm sitting, that if God exists, I mean, it gets down to to Pascal's wager, if God exists, if it's all true, um, then, how does that go? You know, if it, put your faith in God. If it's true, you win everything. If you... If it's not true, you lose nothing. But maybe it's even more serious than that. I mean, if 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 this is all true and there is a literal hell out there that millions of people are going into every day, there's nothing more important than finding that out and saving the highest number of people possible from that terrible fate. I mean, this is more important than the AIDS epidemic. It's more important than the Ebola epidemic pandemic when it happened. It's it's more important than than anything is getting people out of hell and into a right relationship with God. And that's why evangelicals like me dedicate our lives to this and and, and set aside huge amounts of funds and resources to, to sharing our faith because it's important. And also, you know, we, we make sure that, you know, we're cool with the big man, as somebody in high school t- said to me. Um, I want to make sure that I'm cool with the big man. Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of important. Um, if a doctor came and said, well, you know, based on these findings, it's possible that you have terminal cancer, but, you know, we're not really sure. All right, well, are there tests you could do? Yeah, but they're pretty expensive, you know, and fairly invasive. Oh, okay, well, thanks for thanks anyways. That's not your answer. Your answer is, well, let's do the tests. I need to know. And if there's a treatment, let's do the treatment. Might not work, but, you know, give me a fighting chance. It, yeah. From what I've heard so far, I feel like I don't understand how he can be and how agnostics like him can can be um can come to the conclusion that they do that god might exist and not and not chase that question to the ground i mean if you're a hundred percent sure that god doesn't exist all right you know and um richard dawkins and the atheist coalition ran an ad for a while on buses and stuff and it made a big uproar God probably does not exist, so go on with your life and be happy or something like that. Yeah, well, if if you're sure that God doesn't exist, then, you know, live your life. Find purpose in in creating order out of the chaos and live your life. But if there's even a shadow of a doubt, and even in that ad, it said God probably doesn't exist because they want to shelter themselves from from, you know, bearing the burden of, of carrying a strong statement that God does not exist. It's a very difficult thing to prove, that God does not exist. They want to be agnostics while having the title of being atheist, which is a whole other di- discussion. But if if there's even a hint of a shade of a question that perhaps this is all true, it seems to me that you got to figure it out. you got to figure it out. You can't just leave that hanging. If you're you know, I don't know how to emphasize that more than I just did. So we'll leave it there. Uh, anyway, so this is, I'm, I'm speaking in very mellow tones because I'm trying not to wake up my kids. 
Um, but uh, this is my my review of what I've understood so far of Jordan Peterson. It seems to be on the question of is Jordan Peterson a Christian. It seems to me that fundamentally he is a pragmatist in how he approaches truth. So when he says God is true, what he really means is the concept of God works. And when he's speaking about revelation, he's approaching it through union psychology and he's understanding it as the symbols that have been impressed on our consciousness or on our subconscious through millions of years of evolution, which changes our biology on a you know basic atomic chemical level that then finds its way into our uns- our subconscious, that finds its way into our dreams, it finds its way into our poetry, and finds its way eventually into our religion and into our interactions. And so this affects, you know, his view of revelation and that affects his view of God and that affects his view of faith. Um, and so in all these ways, I don't think he is at all approaching Christianity from the perspective of a Christian. I would be comfortable calling him a liberal, but of course liberalism is a very tricky subject, uh, what you mean by that. But basically he's looking at Christianity from the outside, looking in from the perspective of unbelief saying, what can I learn from this collection of of wonderful myths and stories? Uh, and he would put the Old Testament right alongside, you know, the Greek myths of Poseidon and of uh, Psyche and, and the others, um, and right alongside, you know, Hindu myths, although he seems to really like the Old Testament myths, and, and perhaps it's got something to do with how he was raised and perhaps it's got something to do with where he's working in the world but it seems as though to be consistent he could use these other things just as easily um but on a personal level he is agnostic that perhaps god exists and he seems to lean towards that that it seems like maybe jesus rose from the dead it seems like maybe jesus was god it seems like maybe something's going on here and my open-ended question to him, and maybe I'll find an answer through listening to more podcasts. I'm sure there'll be another podcast on Jordan Peterson soon coming from me. Maybe somebody out there is listening to this and has the answer. Um, but to me, it's like if there's a strong possibility, even a weak possibility that all this is true, put everything else aside and figure it the hell out. Um it's important so um i i feel frustrated um by his his nonchalant interest in the possibility that this could all be true um so let's see if there's anything else i want to say to wrap this up so the question was put to me do you think jordan peterson is a net positive impact on the church or, or on the world or a net negative and my unwavering or un unhesitatingly i said net positive jordan peterson is a force for good um and that's primarily because i think his message of create order in the world get beyond the the discussion of being a victim and get out there and be a hero i think that is just so absolutely crucial and needed and let's do that let's focus on that and i think that most christians 
what he's saying is similar enough to scriptures that most Christians can listen to that and say, this makes sense within my worldview. And they're going to puff their chests out and they're going to think about their lives and they're going to make things better. And I think that that is so necessary. We need people like that to say things like that. And so net positive. But there is a negative component to this that as people get really drawn in, as I've gotten really drawn in and fascinated by Peterson and he's extremely popular, he's extremely interesting, he's extremely gifted and brilliant communicator, there's going to be a whole generation, it's starting to look like a whole generation that is going to be very influenced by him. And we're going to start seeing a new wave of of thought of basically what I would say liberal thought, a new type of liberalism is going to come into theology based off of, now previous waves of liberalism were based off of um, secular humanism, were based on, um, you know, critical methods of reading scriptures, uh, very rational and academic types of liberalism. <clears throat> as well as various forms of social justice uh, and, and other things that were out there in the water. Um, this is going to be a liberalism that is based on Jungian psychology, and this is going to be very popular in United Churches and, and you know, some of the Methodists and some of the those churches that are already, you know, very open to to what I would call liberalism. And it's going to start making inroads into seminaries and universities that are more conservative and confessionally Christian. So I think we need to be aware of this. We need to see it coming. Um, I don't think we need to to um, to heretic hunt, to go on witch hunts and say, you know, if if you go anywhere near this stuff you're the antichrist and you're evil and, and everything like this but we need to be aware of what this is and we need to be aware of the truth and we need to be able to discern between error and truth and uh, you know when somebody comes in and, and and they're applying for a position as pastor or a seminary teacher or something like that um, and, and they start dropping words like symbol or mythology or um or uh, archetype that that might be something to pursue and just ask them what do you think a, an archetype is a symbol is where do these things come from uh, are they ground up or are they revelation what is revelation to you um, what do you mean by truth what do you mean by faith what do you think in your own words the gospel is the central message of Christianity is um, so these are going to be really important things to um, to look at moving forward. So um, I hope that you that this podcast has been helpful to you. If this is the first of my podcasts you've listened to, um, there's a lot more before. There will be some after, hopefully. And uh, I hope that my podcasts are, are helpful to you. Feel free to go to uh, josiahmeyer.com and navigate your way over to my blog. Uh, where these podcasts are launched from, which is no longer be children. dot com, and uh, feel free to comment. And uh, if I've missed something, if I've said something wrong, 
you know, I I hope you've caught that I consider myself a beginner when it comes to Peterson's studies, and many of you have studied him far more. So I would love for you to tell me that I'm wrong and uh, provide, you know, resources, provide the, the footnote that says, look, you're wrong, and here's where you can find the correction. That'd be awesome. And then I can learn. So uh, I hope that... Uh, This podcast has been helpful to you, and um, I wish you all a good day.